I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4. I didn't plan this because we had a missionary here tonight, may sound like it, learning to wait on the Lord. So you guys can sleep on preaching. That's okay. It wasn't for you. <laughs> I was watching a little YouTube video the other day that was dealing with the problems that we have with Internet and all the electrical frequencies that are going on all the time. Our building is bombarded with electrical frequencies, things put out by airplanes, things put out by uh, radio, internet, all that kind of stuff. Every phone uh, puts out its own signal, has different things like that going on. And you say, what's that got to do with anything? Well, what it's got to do with is it's like us. We got too much going on. We got, this world is so noisy, noisy, and I'm not trying to use a New Jersey accent, it's it's just noisy. (laughs) I'm going to say it till you get it, and then we'll move on to something else. Um, Our lives are too noisy. We don't know how to sit and talk to God. We don't know how to sit and meditate on God's word. We feel... We have become experts at multitasking, which means we're not experts at anything. We have too much going on. We don't know how to get, the word is focused, focused. When it comes in our spiritual lives, and this can be especially bad on those that are in full-time service, But we've got a lot of things that we want to get done, and we want to get it done now, and we actually allow those things to take the place of the most important thing, which is our walk with God. Why don't we pray more? Don't have time. Man, I do not have time to pray more. I've got too much going on. I heard about one old preacher asked when he prayed. He said, I pray from 4 till 8 o'clock every morning, 4 in the morning till 8 o'clock. Every morning. To which the person asked him the question about his prayer life, he said, uh, man, I've got too much to do to pray four hours in the morning. The man replied, he said, well, I've got too much to do not to pray four hours every morning. We put an awful lot of things first. We get, just get busy. Our life gets noisy. We're called on for so many different things. We don't know how to do the main things. As a result, we don't do them well. We are content with a five-minute prayer time and wonder why we don't see God do more. Because we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to get a hold of God. We're in a hurry. Try reading your Bible with your phone off. I mean the phone, the whole phone off where you're not getting any text, you're not getting any calls. You know, there was a time when people didn't even have phones. And they 
had time to pray. We just have way too much going on in our life. Now, that's not the message. The message comes from Exodus. I could have chosen uh, a number of other places for this story. Could have chosen the life of Joseph for this story, but I'm not. Uh, God has called Moses at the burning bush when we enter the story. So that's Exodus 4 and verse 27. We're past the burning bush. And the Bible says, And the Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went and met him in the mount of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, when they bowed their heads, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in, told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And he said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you under your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make bricks as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tale of the bricks which they did make there are heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. Go over to verse 20, chapter 5. And they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he had done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go. And with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. That's enough. I am the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, in this matter of waiting on you, this 
we have so much to get down, done and we need to get it done now, so many hours in a day. It's amazing as much as we hurry around how much time we still waste. And we don't get the things done and when we're interrupted we get upset. Partly because we don't know how to wait on you. So Lord, I pray tonight that you teach us some things and help us with this. For I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. By the time you come to where we began reading, of course, Moses has been on the backside of the desert for 40 years. For 40 years, he was brought up in Pharaoh's house as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, that means that the children of Israel have been in captivity for 400 years. God had promised them that they were going to be getting back into the land after 400 years, and God fulfills his promise exactly like he says. But now, understand at this particular time, all of Israel here are slaves. They are owned by the nation, and they have to do the bidding of Pharaoh. And there are guards put over them to see to it that all their work gets done. And if you remember at the very beginning of Exodus... Uh, Pharaoh was getting upset that the, that the Israelites seemed to be multiplying, having a lot of children. And so he ordered the midwives to kill the boy babies. That's what he ordered them to do. They feared the Lord and they did not do it. And of course, that could have been, that could have been very dangerous for them. But now Moses has been called and he comes on the scene. Understand the Israelites have not seen him for 40 years years. How well they remember him. The scripture doesn't really tell us. Uh, it would not shock us if even they had forgotten uh, this man named Moses. The long wait is over. The day arrives. Moses comes in, Moses and Aaron, and they let the children of Israel know that God has called them to deliver them, to bring them forth out of the land. And that they're going to go to Pharaoh and tell them that the Lord said, let my people go. Now, when they get before Pharaoh, Pharaoh makes an interesting statement. He says, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let your people know? Now, when I read that particular statement, at least Pharaoh was an honest man. He didn't know the Lord and he knew it. And he said so. Who is the Lord that I should obey him? I mean, after all, his people were the Israelites and they were slaves. This one who was the Lord didn't seem to be all that powerful to Pharaoh at this particular time. Of course, he's going to learn differently in the next several days. And so when Moses leaves, Pharaoh has the taskmasters make the work of the Israelites even harder. And they have to continue to make the bricks they were making, but now they wouldn't even be given the straw to make the strong bricks. So they were going to have a harder job of getting these things done, and they were even to do more. <coughs> so Pharaoh's reaction is totally negative. He rebelled against the plan of God, but now he didn't know God. And most people who don't know God rebel against the plan of God, which Really sad is too many of God's people rebel against the plan of God and they say they know him. He rebelled against the person of God and he also rebelled against the people of God. All three of those tend to go together. 
It wasn't going to end up being as easy as what Moses thought it was going to be. Now, the children of Israel had believed the message that Moses had brought to them. And we read that. They said that they believed. But now they find out they're not getting out as soon as what they thought they were going to get out. The, this problem of getting to that land that God had promised for them was going to take even longer. Moses and his people would need to learn to wait on God. And our problem is we don't know a whole lot about waiting on God. We seem to think if we wait on God, then we're going to be considered lazy. Waiting on the Lord. Well, there's some lessons to learn about how to wait on the Lord. Uh, we have, after all today, super fast computers. And I have found this, for instance, with my computer. It takes as long to boot up my computer now that it did when I got my first computer 30-some years ago. Now, we understand there are a lot more megabytes and kilobytes and things like that that have to come down before the thing's finally going to show up. Uh, I, I get that. I mean, I remember when I had my first hard drive, it had 40 meg on it. And when I bought it, the man said, that's all you'll ever need. You'll never need all of that. And today, there are programs. You can't even get the thing started if you only have 40 meg. Uh, it's absolutely amazing what has happened. Of course, you remember those old computers. The computer itself filled an entire floor in some of these big companies that they had out there. And today, you've got all of that and far more in your, in your phone, which is absolutely amazing. But anyway, so Moses' people would need to learn to wait. We have a lot of things that we don't like waiting at. We don't like having to wait for the microwave oven. And yet it, we get our food so much quicker. Talk about fast food, that's it. Fast food restaurants, I don't know if you've noticed this, they're not so fast anymore. I mean, you go into them and if there's even, and what's really frustrating is when they don't have hardly any customers in there and you're thinking, oh, good, I'm going to get my food fast, and you don't. So we're just going to start having medium fast food, not fast. But we want something and we want it now. What about waiting on God? Let me give you some points here. Number one, daily duties continue while you're waiting on God. Now, Israel already had the promise you remember way back in the book of Genesis when Jacob died, he told Joseph and his family to take his body back to the promised land uh, when he died. Joseph told his brothers, uh, when I die, I want you to take me back to the promised land. Well, that's going to happen, but it's going to be over 300 years before it's done. That's just all there is to it. It's going to be a long time before this gets done. They have the promise. People expected immediate release. They stopped working as hard. Why should they work hard? Because after all, deliverance is near. You're going to wait on the Lord. Understand, you still have regular duties you have to do. We don't just sit back and do nothing. We still do our regular duties. Common mistake of some who have set dates for Christ's return. They have their people quit their jobs. Well, yeah, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. I don't need my job. Doesn't that make sense? But you don't know if he's coming back tomorrow. Yeah, but this, uh, this guy, Harold Camping, he told us he's coming back. 
Of course, Harold Camping, he did that five times, and Jesus never did come back any of those five times. And yet he still kept bilking people out of their money. But that's a, one of the common mistakes. And what really gets me is people go out, sell their property, and then give it to whatever guru they're following. Why does he need it if Jesus is coming back tomorrow? Why would you give it to him? People don't think, do they? This is nuts. God calls us to be faithful to daily tasks while we're waiting. You look at Joseph in Scripture. He had the dream that was a promise from God. And yet we find him being sold into slavery at the age of 17. We find him for the next 13 years being both a slave and then also a prisoner. It doesn't appear that dream's going to come true. 13 years seems like a long time to be serving like that. And we know that God was protecting him, but he couldn't see God protecting him. We know that even his brothers wanted him dead. They were going to kill him, you remember. And then one said, why kill him? We can make some money off of him. So we'll sell him. So he ends up a slave. Then he gets falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. This man was in constant danger. And yet we find him each step of the way doing the job that he had to do in each of those situations. He wasn't sitting around saying, this isn't fair, this isn't right, I shouldn't have to do these things. He did what he was supposed to do. When you wait on the Lord, you have some jobs to do in the meantime. Get them done. Your daily duties don't stop while you're waiting on the Lord. It is part of learning how to be faithful to God. You see, Joseph in that prison had to learn how to be faithful to God. Children of Israel, oh, they might get out. Uh, maybe today, I mean Moses. You hear Moses, Aaron, they're going to Pharaoh. They're going to tell him that God said to let us go. Okay, but what about your load of bricks today? Oh, no, we, we don't need it. No, no, you wait. Until Pharaoh lets you go, you got work to do. Stay faithful at it. Too many people, when they're asking God to do something, just stop doing anything at all. Back when we were needing a building, we were over there on Hughes Road, and we had filled it up and a little bit more. I still remember those nights during the summertime, and it was so hot for those evening services with that sun beating on that western wall and the two doors uh, that were on this side of the church and us putting... I don't know whose idea it was. I think it was Andy Knowles to put those uh, hoses up on top of the roof, punch holes in the hoses, and, and do all that, you know, stuff. <laughs> I mean, we were looking forward to getting a new building sometime, sometime, sometime. But we had to wait on the Lord for some things. It just took a while. Now, God could have dropped it all in our laps at one time. He didn't do that. We had stuff to do. Guess what? The program that we had going that got us full, we just kept doing it. And we just kept doing it. And we just kept doing it. Why? Because God hadn't provided yet. We were to keep going. Of course, we were looking for a building so that we could continue to do even more what we were doing. The point is this. Daily duties continue. Second thing about waiting, difficulties may increase while you're waiting on God. If you look at verses 6 through 19... And we'll not read all those verses. For instance, no more straw uh, for the bricks, verses 7 and 8. 
We read those two verses right there. Uh, more work was to be given to the Israelites in verse 9. They were gathering stubble instead of the straw. They had to gather that now. It wasn't being provided by the Egyptians anymore. So more work was given to them. Brick production was to stay on target, according to verse 13, where it said, The taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily task, as when there was straw. And then in verse, uh, let's see, punishment for not producing in verse 14. And the officers of the children of Israel, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, wherefore, have ye not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and today as heretofore? We get to praying for God to provide and then things get tougher and we're saying, what's wrong with God? Not a thing's wrong with God. You've got to learn whether you got it, you don't got it. You've got things to do, and it may even get tougher. Things may even get harder before you get what you're waiting on. But you keep going. The fact that it gets harder is not a reason to stop. Our troubles also increase during waiting times. While waiting, remember that God is faithful. And we need to continue to be faithful at glorifying him. Now, we got construction going on all around here. And what's really frustrating is when you're coming up on one of those two-lane roads and they're doing construction in the middle. You're already on it. You can't help it. You're on it. You don't have any place to turn around. That's like going down Balch Road and they're doing construction down there. And you come to a place where they take it to one lane. And they've got one of those big spreaders or loaders or whatever the big equipment is that's there. And so you have to sit on your side until the other side comes all the way through. And then they, you know, the guys that are standing out there all day, they turn the sign and then you get to go. And it's a long way. It gets frustrating. You got to plan. What really upsets me is when I go that way because I know that there's been an accident over here. And I go down this way. It's not an accident, but I still got to wait. I can't get home in a hurry. So what would you do if you got home in a hurry? I'd sit on the recliner. <laughs> Thing is, I'm sitting down now in the car. There's something about being able to change positions when you want to. Isn't that true? Somebody told a story about a veteran um, big machine operator that did that kind of stuff. One day he decided to relieve some of the tension because he, he you know you they can see it on your face when you're driving how upset you are that you waited so long hopefully you don't say anything but they can see it on your face so this guy put two signs up on the front of his uh big loader or whatever it was that he had the big machinery and put another sign on the back of it that said the road to happiness is almost always under construction <laughs> so so he got to see some people laugh a little bit at doing it. You know, these people wanted all this progress around here. Well, understand there's going to be a lot of waiting as long as we get more of this type of so-called progress. But that's the way it is. Difficulties may increase while waiting on God. Number three, dangers may multiply. Dangers may multiply by waiting on God. We see that in verses 20 through 23. It says, and they met Moses who stood in the way. As they came forth from Pharaoh, and they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, 
because you have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh. They were real glad when Moses and Aaron came and said, God's told us that we're to go to Pharaoh, so he'll let you go. They were glad, but now they're upset. It hadn't turned out like they wanted it to turn out. Now, I know since we have so many missionaries out of Madison Baptist Church, Everybody feels, and we've had missionaries by here for years and years and years and years and years. Um, here's part of it. The good news is that God has all your support already. The bad news is you've got to go find it. And you may be able to do it in a year, but yet it might take you two years. It might take you three years. It might even take you four years. And matter of fact, while you're out there doing it, there may, be a, there may be a car accident or two. There may be sleeping at night in some church's guest house in a bad neighborhood to have you scared to death. It's not going to always be easy. It's not always going to be a nice motel. And sometimes you'll go and you'll present your work and they don't even give you enough to give you the, get you the gas to get you to the next church. You say, wow, really, it could be like that. Yeah, it could be like that. Dangers may multiply while you're waiting. You see, now he not only had Pharaoh mad at him, now he's got his own people mad at him. Uh, he is in a little bit of trouble. That's part of waiting on the Lord. God doesn't always just provide what you're asking for right now. You understand, God's not in a hurry. If he is in a hurry, Jesus would already be here. Catch us out of here. He's got it timed out just right. You know, a lot of Christians have been martyred waiting for Jesus to come. Yeah, I'm waiting. Remember Abraham. Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He didn't find it here. Didn't find it here. He roamed around. He didn't find that city. But by faith, he was looking. Now, he has seen what he needs to see now. But when you're talking about waiting on the Lord, whatever it may be in your service, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Remember, Mary and Martha sent the note to Jesus that he whom thou lovest is sick, speaking of Lazarus. And the Bible says, because he loved them, he abode where he was for two more days. You see, Jesus has perfect timing. When he gets up there, Lazarus has been dead four days. He waited two more days so Lazarus could be really dead. And he said, well, I don't understand. I thought it was already dead. Yes, but the Jews had to believe that the soul departed the body after the third day. So he waited till the fourth day so nobody could question whether or not Lazarus was dead. That means an awful lot. But Martha didn't like it. You remember Martha, when Jesus came up, Martha said to him, uh, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. I just get the impression she was a little upset. She had every idea. Jesus was known for healing people that 
Surely he would have healed her brother if he'd have just gotten there. He didn't. And he didn't get there on purpose. That's a marvelous story. People went in and Martha went in and told Mary, Jesus is here. She runs out, first thing out of her mouth. First thing out of her mouth. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. You know, I learned a long time ago, Brother Weeks, that when you've got two Christians saying exactly the same words, they've been talking. It's what they do. Well, they're sisters. You'd expect them to talk to one another. And I wonder how many times in those four days they had said to one another, you know, if Jesus had been here, he wouldn't have died. Now, there's a difference in the scene in their attitude. Obviously, she comes up to Jesus, and it's kind of an in-your-face thing. Now, she still believes he's the Christ. She doesn't doubt that. She believes her brother will be raised in the, resurre- in the resurrection. She doesn't doubt that either. But when Mary comes to Jesus, she falls down at his feet and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother had not died. Interesting thing. Turn over there to chapter 11 just a moment. Now, they've waited over four days for Jesus to get there. He has finally arrived. They do not know what is going to take place. And obviously, the way Mary seemed to take Jesus' statement, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She says, yea, Lord, I, I believe that. You get to verse 40. Jesus tells them to roll the stone away. And Martha speaks up, says it's fourth day. By by this time he stinketh. Notice in verse 40. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. She still doesn't have a clue. Jesus knows what he's doing. You don't always. But this is where faith comes in. Faith says, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. One of the things I've really appreciated is Brother Ross's testimony during this time. You remember, first he had the chemotherapy treatment for the cancer. And although it, they didn't grow during that time, they really didn't get better. And then they had that, what do they call that kind of thing again? CAR T cell therapy. And he had that. And that didn't take it away either. So they've gone the next step with this thing, and they're having it again. And I'll tell you, when he was here for our super conference and explaining that, I, I just appreciate his whole testimony his whole spirit concerning all of those things. He said, well, God could have healed him the first time, and wouldn't that have made it so much easier on all that he's doing from pastoring the church he's pastoring, uh, the books that he's writing and preaching out, all the... God doesn't work by our reasoning. But he's always right. You can trust him. And the just shall live by faith. We don't have to understand what he's doing. We just know that he's right. And sometimes it's just a matter of waiting on him. At the right time, 
He's been dead four days. They've had to go through four days of loss and grief. He raises him from the dead. To see that mighty miracle, they had to wait. Now, they didn't know they were going to see that miracle. See, that's the thing. If Jesus had told them, well, I'm, I'm going to do a miracle. You've never seen anything like this before. I'm going to do this. There would have been some tinge of excitement there. No, until they saw Lazarus come out of that grave. There was hurt there. There's no telling the turmoil emotionally, mentally that they were going through. But they got to see the glory of God. The thing is, had Lazarus never died, they couldn't have seen him raised from the dead. That's the thing about that miracle. You have to die first. That's powerful. We must be patient with God, trusting God that he knows the right time for everything. He knows the right time. If we want his will, and he does his will in our lives, it'll be right. Not only that, number four, delays do not mean that God will fail to come through. In chapter 6, notice in verse 2, God spake to Moses. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Okay, and I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, by the name of God Almighty, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. And I have established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I remember my covenant. Wherefore, saying to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out. Now think about Moses. Moses has really been swayed here by the people because God told Moses when he called them at the burning bush, he told Moses that Pharaoh would refuse to let him out at first. We seem to forget that part. Moses seemed to have forgotten that part. But God's going to do what he said he would do. He has never failed to come through with his promises. Never question in the, pardon me, in the dark what God gives you in the light. In the dark, your faith is tested. In the dark, there's trouble. But I tell you what, you wait upon the Lord. And his deliverance is at hand. The truth is, we trust MasterCard and Visa and Discover Card and all those other cards, American Express. We trust those to bail us out more than we trust God because we very seldom wait on God. It's so much easier. I don't need to pray. I'll just go down and get myself further in debt. Just prove that we don't know how to wait on God. But I got to have it now. You got to have it when God, and God knows when you have to have it. And God will take care of it. I heard of a missionary that didn't get her monthly check. She took seriously ill because she had no money. She had to live on oatmeal and canned milk for a month. 30 days later, finally, the check arrived. 
She was mentioning the incident when she was on furlough uh, to a doctor in one of the churches, one of her supporting churches. And the doctor asked the name of the illness that she had. Or she described the intestinal digestive problems that she was having. And the doctor said, if your check had arrived on time, you'd have been eating your current diet and you would now be dead. He said, because the best treatment for your illness was a 30-day oatmeal diet. So missionaries, if you don't get a check for a month, enjoy the oatmeal. Amen. We, get that it's, we forget that it's through faith and patience that we obtain good promises from the Lord. There was a manufacturing town in Scotland. A young lady began teaching a class of boys in Sunday school. And the most unpromising youngster, uh, there, was a boy by, uh, there was a boy there by the name of Bob. And the Sunday school superintendent went out and bought him a new suit so he could wear it to Sunday school, feel like he was going to the church house and learn about God. Now, the next week, the boy showed up, and that suit was all dirty and wrinkled and muddy. And then after that, the boy didn't come for two or three weeks. So the teacher went to find the boy, and she found out that the superintendent had come by and brought him another suit. Well, the next week... He didn't come by, and when she went over to the house, she saw it all muddy just like the other one and torn and no good. She, uh, she said to the superintendent after discovering that second set of clothes had gone the way of the first set of clothes, I'm discouraged about Bob. Then she said to the superintendent, I guess we're going to have to give up on Bob. And the superintendent said, please don't do that. Please don't give up on Bob. I believe there's still hope. Let's try one more time. So they gave Bob a third set of clothes. And this time with the third set, he began to attend regularly, faithfully. And it's amazing what God did in this young man's life. Because the name of that boy was Robert Morrison, who became the first Protestant missionary to China. In China, he translated the Bible into Chinese and brought the word of God to millions because somebody was willing to wait on the Lord to do his complete work. God knows what he's doing. God's not in a hurry. He does it right. I was, as I was preparing the message for today, I was thinking about, think how God has to put so many things in motion. All right, when he gets the children of Israel out, of the promised land. You understand he's dealing with over 2 million individual lives and he wants the best for all of them, not just for Israel, but for all of them. And certain things are going to have to be done in their lives. God works all that out. I can't balance my checkbook. That's why my wife does it. But God's got everything worked out like that. God knows exactly the right time. For your good, for his glory, wait on the Lord. There is no need to panic. Now, I am not suggesting that you go out and write a check that you can't cover. 
and saying, I'm expecting God to take care of this. By the way, it's illegal to do that. Just, just don't do it in case anybody gets some strange notions. So what, is, what does it come down to? Declarations by God should be claimed by all of us. You look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. That was God's declaration. He said, Now see what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. Oh, I can imagine some of those people thinking, well, the first one didn't work. Why would it work this time? God's promises to those who wait. Let me give you just a few of the verses about waiting on the Lord. You might want to write them down. First of all, their strength. Psalm 27 and verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. In Isaiah 40 and verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Yes. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's strength. Say, but I'm so tired. Hey, there's strength in waiting on the Lord. God's got the right time. There's exaltation. Psalm 37 and verse, verse 7 and 34. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Verse 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. They're not cut off yet, but when the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Trust God. I mean, we look around us today and yeah, I understand uh, Alex Jones and the InfoWars people. Man, they're going nuts. They're going nuts about the New World Order. Oh, this is a terrible thing. Don't have any doubt. New World Order is a terrible thing. But, you know, God's not taken by surprise. New World Order isn't hiding anything from God that he doesn't know about. God's got a plan. All the promises concerning Jesus coming back are going to be taken care of. I remember back in the 70s. They were talking about the Illuminati and the Trilateral Commission and all of that and how bad it was and we need to oppose it. Show me one verse in the New Testament that says we're supposed to oppose that. You see, if that is the organization that the Antichrist is going to use, you're not going to defeat it anyway. Your job is to win people to Jesus. And if it's not the Illuminati or the Trilateral Commission or any of those other organizations that they talk about, hey, if it's not them, they're going to go down anyway. Everything's still going to be fulfilled exactly like God said. But I don't see where we're to pull back from doing what the church has been told to do, to go out and combat the evil world order that's out there. We want to find out who the Antichrist is. Because if we find out who the Antichrist is, we can go and stop him now. You're an idiot. No, you can't. You're not going to do it. Besides that, he's not going to be revealed that we're out of here. Hallelujah. Man, this is good stuff. And this is all free. There's the expectation for prayer or in prayer. Psalm 62 and verse 5. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. 
Oh, listen, anybody can shout praise the Lord when everything's going exactly like you want it to go. But God's still going to fulfill his will even when the storms are going on about us. And everything seems to be going the opposite way. And then there's blessing, Isaiah 30, verse 13. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a, a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. Now, we have read beyond the book of Exodus. And guess what? In spite of those in other countries like the Amalekites and the Moabites and others, all they did to try to stop Israel, they didn't. As a matter of fact, the reason they stopped for 40 years had nothing to do with those people. They stopped themselves. They had a little trouble. They didn't like all that manna. And boy, when they ate that quail, they got sick to their stomach and thousands of them died. They stopped themselves. When they went into the land, saw that the land was everything God said that it was. But we can't take them. We're like grasshoppers in the sights of those giants that are in the land. They stopped themselves. All those giants together couldn't stop God. They stopped themselves. And what we do when we fail to wait on the Lord, we end up stopping ourselves. That's what gets us into trouble. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now, I didn't come close to giving you all of the verses concerning waiting on the Lord and resting on the Lord. And I know you say, well, well, preacher, people are expecting, I, I've got to get so much done here and so much done there. No, no, you need to be surrendered to God. Do his will every day. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You can count on it. So we stay faithful and waiting. Daily duties are to continue on. Decreasing um, difficulties increase. That's all right. We continue on. Doesn't stop us. Danger seems to be a dangerous time. God can take care of you. He takes care of a lot of people in very dangerous times. He's, he's good at it. Uh, we think only uh, Steven Seagal and those other action heroes out there that they're the only ones that can do that stuff. No, no, God takes care of it. He takes care of your people. You can count on God. You know, one of the reasons, by the way, why the Filipinos and the uh, South Koreans and other Asians are doing a lot more in missions than what we're doing in America because they'll go to where it's dangerous. They do. They go to where it's dangerous. Where the missionaries used to go that were from America, they'd go, man, they go to places that were real hot spots to reach the people. Today, we do our best to get them out of there. But those Filipinos, that, those Koreans, I'll tell you what, they go to those places and they minister in the hard times. They get it done. They just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. You know, trust him and wait upon him and God will bring it to pass in his time. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Our Lord, 
I know that tonight, everybody doesn't need this message tonight. But there's some sitting here that need it desperately. I pray they'd get it. Wait upon the Lord. They don't have to pull their hair out. They don't have to give up. They don't have to go, oh, no. What's going to happen? We're in your hand. And, Lord, we trust you. Lord, there's some people, though, that, may, that don't need it tonight that may need it next week or may need it next month. So I pray that between now and then, they'll spend some time studying the verses on waiting on the Lord. God, you have your way in our lives tonight, we pray in Jesus' name.